This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome to 51 First Dates. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And we are doing an experiment. And talking about dating. And love. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Cheers! Cheers! I'm Kimmy. And I'm Liza. Welcome to 51 First Dates, the podcast about dating, etc. We are so happy to have you back. And we are happy to have you here if you're a new listener. We're happy you tuned in. We're happy you feel weird about dating. Um, We're super happy today to be joined by our lovely guest, Meredith Golden. And I just want to say that, Meredith, I we've known each other for some time from Elite Daily Days when I wrote, and we we're so excited to have you. So glad it finally worked out. Oh, I'm so happy to be with you guys. Thank you for having me. Of course. And for any of you who don't know Meredith's work, she is the founder of Spoon Meet Spoon. She's a dating expert, a dating app ghostwriter, which we will get into, and a dating coach. I've, you know, I've also worked with Meredith in writing articles, and she has excellent advice, especially when it comes to this weird world, weird world of online dating that is so weird, I can't even say it without garbling my words, you know? <laughs> but we're so excited to dive into everything today. Yes, and uh, we're going to talk about all kinds of stuff relating to dating profiles, how to make it happen, how to bring it together, how to write them, how to curate them. I really hate the word curate, and it's used all the time, and then I find myself using it all the time, but here we are. Um, but in the meantime, um, Meredith, do you have, we know you've been married for, for a very long time, but yes, do you have a worst first time. date story? Like could be yours, a friend's from before you were married, any of the above? It's so many worst date stories. My favorite though is from a friend, um, which to this day, whenever I need a good chuckle, I think back to it because it really makes me like literally pee in my pants when I think about it. <laughs> One of my friends went on a date and she was so excited about the date. She had her hair blown for the date, made sure, you know, she was looking her best, wore heels, all dolls up, goes in with such a positive attitude, shimmies in, sits at the table, smiles at the sky. She's thinking it's going to be a great date. And all of a sudden he reaches into his mouth. He pulls out his Invisalign slimes out there's drool coming out of it and he pops it down on the table he orders a drink she's horrified they go through 30 minutes they finish the drink he's like great to meet takes the invisalign pops it right back into his mouth makes the slurping noise at the table he's like let's do this again and she just sort of like nods and is like hmm, someone needs to tell him that that's not proper date etiquette that's why he didn't get a second date no. All you do is go to the bathroom before your date and take your Invisalign out. It's pretty easy. Oh my and it was God. like smelly too. And he, and it just sat there like sitting, like reeking. You know, he'd probably been in his mouth for like eight hours. Those things get dirty. And I've had Invisalign. I think Invisalign's great. So I know how gross it can get. And, it's, and I also know how easy it is to take it out discreetly before you're going to eat or have a drink with someone. So like you're not going to floss your teeth at the table. Don't take your Invisalign out at the table. Maybe if it's with your family or your best friend, yes, but not on a first date. I, I have one of my best friends had Invisalign, and I was grossed out when he would pop them out around me. <laughs> and I, I mean, I would tell him, be like, "That's disgusting." But like, <laughs> this is a, I feel like I ask this question a lot, where I'm like, "Who raised you?" <laughs> like. I know. it's uh, Sometimes I joke on this podcast about not loving first date, first kisses just because of the saliva aspect and the stranger in saliva. That's just a thing for me. So that story just really got under my skin and gave me the heebie-jeebies. But it, I, it's like that's – And he is a good guy. That's the kicker of it, right? All he had to do was change one behavior that was a four-second behavior, not even, and he probably would have gotten the second date. Yeah. Do you think there's ever a world where 
you know, you like someone, but you're grossed out by it. But something small like that happens and you give them that feedback. Mm. I don't think I would. I don't think I would be bold enough. Like, I'm saying this because in my, you know, we talk a lot about on, on this podcast about being, like, as honest as you can while still being kind and being straightforward with what you want and being, you know, whatever. But I don't think I could tell someone that. <laughs> I think there's a way to deliver feedback in a kind way. I don't know if you say it right there at the table. Mm. Yeah, maybe if you get asked out for a second date, but I, I already know I would not give the feedback, but I would tell the story all the time and giggle about it and be grossed out about it. That's just like the reality of it. I would be so uncomfortable about, you know, telling someone that their Invisalign needs to stay in their mouth or be out of their mouth for the entirety of the date. Yes. I mean, what I really would hope is sort of how when you were with your best friends and he slurped it in, slurped it out, you're like, dude, that's gross. I would hope that when this guy is at lunch with his colleague or out for drinks with his friends and he does it, that their friends correct the behavior. And so you really need to do that with us or you're doing that on dates. But who knows what happens? Yeah. Well, I think it can be tricky because I feel like lots of people have a thing that just no one wants to step up and tell them. And I, as like a very neurotic, paranoid like, person, I'm always like, oh my God, what's the thing no one's telling me? You know, like I'm someone who like, I want to know if there's food in my teeth, if I have something on my face, if my makeup is like not blended. Like I want someone to tell me. But I feel like this happens a lot. And we've heard a lot of stories about bad first dates or just weird first dates where like one really kind of specific thing goes wrong and it's hard to get past it. It's hard to get back on track. And this is sort of why people come to me for help in their dating life, because I operate in that space of giving real feedback and problem solving and figuring out where there's room for improvement, whether it's you have food in your teeth or you're chronically late for a date or you monopolize the conversation or you're rude, whatever it is, it's, it's time together to figure out what isn't working for you and how to change maladaptive dating behavior into adaptive dating behavior and sort of how you're saying I'm that person who wants to know. We all have to keep one friend around us that tells us the truth. But unfortunately, that person's not always available to give us the truth. And so if you can't have that friend give it to you, then hire someone, whether it's myself or someone else. But it is important to get that feedback and figure out how to insert different behaviors to change the outcome. Yeah, 100%. And so in speaking about hiring you and your business, Spoon Meet Spoon, I just can you take us back because I know, you know, you were a psychotherapist before this. Can you just take us to how you ended up founding this business and describe it a little bit for our listeners? Sure. I was many moons ago a psychotherapist and then there was a long stretch. I was home with my kids and doing for fun what I called for you know, over a decade, if not two, for sports, just setting people up. Never thought twice about turning into a business. I would set people up and poof, they get married, you know, two kids later. Or I'd say, huh, I think you should meet so-and-so. And so-and-so would say, I'm not going out with him. I'm not going out with her. I'm like, oh, just humor me. Just meet for one drink. And then they're like, I'm in love. <laughs> and it just, truthfully, it was selfish, right? Like, yes, I wanted the people around me to be happy, but it really just filled my bucket. I I would get such a thrill out of it that they were so happy. And again, it was just, I didn't do it constantly. You know, every now and then someone would come along who's single. I'm like, don't worry, I'll find you a husband. Oh, you're such a good guy. Let me find you a girlfriend. Whether or not you wanted me to or not, <laughs> I was still honest. Um, and then there's just a point where I thought, you know what? Maybe this is something and I should extend it outside of my social circle when random people at weddings would find out I set up the bride and groom, they would approach me, oh, can you set me up too? But what I realized quickly in doing sort of what would be old school matchmaker technique, once I learned about the app, it, it was a no brainer to me. I could access 60, 70 million singles on my phone rather than have to keep this short list of singles, which if you only have a few people to reach to versus 24 seven on my phone, 70 million singles, it seemed like a no brainer. And that's how I got involved in the app. And it just opened up this whole world and it made dating really efficient. And it made my setting my friends up and then setting friends of friends up and then, you know, launched setting clients up and it, it changed the game. And I am so thrilled with the results because 
people have to find their way in the dating space and it can be really hard and it can be really lonely at times and it can be really challenging. But again, the beauty of all these apps is that you have such volume and you have access to these people 24 seven. Yeah. And that's how the business came about. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's really interesting because for a moment when we were, when I was going on dates for this podcast, Liza had access to my apps and it was really nice to have someone else on there sorting through for me. Though sometimes I could also feel a little weird about that. So can you kind of detail, you know, how involved you are in terms of actually swiping for people and being a dating app ghostwriter? Because I think that just sounds always exciting and buzzy. And I know a little bit about this, but just kind of describe it for us. Sure. Well, there's, you know, I do many different things for many different clients. The dating app ghostwriting is just one facet of what I do. But sort of how you said that it was nice to turn it over to someone, people get really mired in emotion. And it's hard to make good, thoughtful decisions for yourself when you are so focused on specific things and see something through only one lens. And when your friend picks up your dating app for you, she knows that you always go for six foot two, played rugby at some point in his life, vegan, whatever your criteria is. When someone else approaches it, it's a totally different lens. And so when people come to me, I take the emotion off the table. I'm really focused on my search and I'm able to make different decisions and yield different outcomes than a single would for themselves. But the work itself, it's, it's really pulling from who the client is. It's all their information. It has nothing to do with me. It's not like I'm saying, oh, Jenny's a dermatologist and then she shows up and she's really a pilot or vice versa. (laughs) Like if Jenny is presenting herself as a dermatologist, it's because she's a dermatologist. If Rick is saying that he's a teacher, he's a teacher. Um, If someone is saying that they're X years old, that's who they are. If they're saying they live here. I mean, I am such a stickler for people presenting themselves as who they are and as authentically as they are, that if a client comes to me and tries to use a picture from five, seven years ago, I'm like, you can't use this. You don't look like that anymore. That was 20 pounds ago and two kids ago. No. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, you can't say that you're six one when you're five, five, you're going to show up the date and you're going to be called out for a liar. So I really encourage people to present themselves as who they are. And then I take all this information that they give me and on a very shallow surfacey level, I go back and forth. I, I pick out who I think will be a good match, a screen, and then I start engaging with the other single. And again, it's shallow. It's maybe three, four days, max five days going back and forth. But we're talking about things. Oh, your dog is cute. You play tennis. Oh, you violin as a kid. Oh, do you enjoy your work? I mean, no one's dating on the app. The apps are just to connect. And then, once the clients decide that they want to meet in person, I turn it over to the client to schedule on the app. The two of them usually take it to sell, maybe have a little banter before the date, and then they meet in person. No one knows that I was involved. There's no stigma with having to hire someone to help because, again, you know, the ghost, I'm, I'm, no one knows them around. And then the truth is people go on dates, right? And before they meet, most dates nowadays are coming from the app. You can have fantastic master with someone and it's real banter by the two people. And then they show up and the date is terrible. It falls flat. And you're like, oh, this guy was so funny on an app. He's boring in person. Or you have mediocre conversation on an app or a conversation on an app. And then you show up in person and the person's energetic and vivacious and lively and fun and they're really funny in person and that's where the connection happens. So if someone says to me, well, isn't it disingenuous or isn't it fraudulent? No, because it's the client's information. Both of them are making a decision to meet based on what's in the profile, which again is genuine, the exchanges, which are the client's information. And very often I'll take something that the client has said to me in the intake form. And I'll just put it on my text um, shortcut and I'll just cut and paste it, you know, like mm-hmm. it, TT stands for so-so. And then I just hit that all the time. If someone keeps asking me the same question about work, if I said something three times as that person, it's just a quick way to view out that information. But again, it's a client. Um, it's not like I'm talking about myself and that my son doesn't like playing baseball, right? <laughs> like it has nothing to do with me. It's all them. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because when I, when I was on Kimmy's apps, when she was dating, 
Um, I always felt so like that was it was always the moment when we started when I started talking to the guy where I was like, oh, my God, like, I don't know what to say. But now, like hearing you talk about that, that was really absurd because, yeah, I feel like most intro conversations, if you know someone as well as like I know Kimmy, it's you know, it's like simple stuff. It's not crazy things. It's it's not how you connect. Like it's we always tell people to try to just get on a date like relatively soon and not to banter yeah. too much on the apps because it's just, you know, a screen and like some anonymous kind of person on the other side of it. Right. And what's really the worst case scenario if, you know, someone says, hey, do you like chocolate? Right. And I'm Abe Schmabe. And I say, yeah, chocolate's great. And then Abe Schmabe is on the date and they're like, do you like fondue? And he's like, no, I don't really like fondue. Like, no harm is done that Abe Schmabe was represented on Hinge for liking chocolate. And then in person, he says, I don't really like fondue. Right. Like, whoever he's with has not thought twice about it. It's not a deal breaker. Yeah, it's funny because they're talking to so many other people on the app that nobody remembers. And if they do, it's like, oh, well, in that minute, yeah, I just had a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. So, I, yeah, in that moment, I like chocolate. But, you know, if I had to list my top four foods, no, chocolate's not top four. And even beyond that, and this will be defensive about our podcast, but like it was it's a lot bigger of a deal to have talked about on a, a date that you went on, even anonymously on a podcast, for example. But for me, it was kind of a litmus test once I got into my current relationship. Like the way that my boyfriend reacted to this project Liza and I had set out to try and be creative with, he wasn't. I don't know if something's meant to be like whether it's a little thing about saying you like chocolate or not or eventually finding out maybe, you know, that spoon meat spoon was part of the equation. Like later when things get serious, those those aren't going to matter for the right person, if that makes sense. It just there's some parallel. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. Most clients do never do not ever say that I was involved. And the ones that do, even though I tell them not to. Mm -hmm. Whoever it is that they meet, they're just so excited to have had the opportunity to meet them because they fall madly in love. They're like, oh, whatever. So that was her that was saying that you like tennis? Yeah, that was her. I mean, no one cares, right? Because they met. And also one of the things that I'm a big advocate of is really expanding who one will date. Mm -hmm. So if I have a client named Amy, she may never meet Todd, but there I am pushing her to meet Todd. You know what? I know Todd's out of your box. I know Todd isn't 6'2". I understand Todd lives above 66th Street. Not for you. Do me a favor. Can you just still have one drink with Todd? Would really kill you. 30 minutes. Uh, 30 minutes is too much. All right. How about 20 bucks? 20 minutes at Starbucks, right? You can do this. And then they hit it off. And she's like, I was being so silly. And then Todd is so excited that he got to date with Amy. So it's a win for both. Yeah. It's, yeah, I think expanding your perspective when it comes to who you will date is so important and ultimately again not to continue like paralleling but there's some things I relate to here like having Liza on my apps was great because she was swiping in a different way like with me in mind but I was we joke that I just like like sailboat pictures which was a terrible pattern that I was in like those weren't the right guys (laughs) for me I mean I like sailboats but like the person who's putting a sailboat and themselves it just Liza kept me like away from that so I was like you know sometimes it's fine but you should maybe go on a date with someone who does not have a (laughs) sailboat pic just once right and I thought you had some good dates yeah I didn't gasp have a sailboat right and he maybe did bold instead you never know you never know And and I always say this just from life and looking around at my friends because of, you know, our stage of life. I don't know many of my friends who had their checklist in their twenties of who they wanted to marry that checked off every box, but guess what? They're still happy in their marriage. Mm-hmm. Totally. It's still a good fit. It still works. And even if they had every item checked off, that doesn't necessarily mean it would translate that that would have been the right relationship for them. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's hard to, I mean, we all have written some kind of story in our head about what we think we want. And, you know, I feel like almost every, like every couple that I look up to relationship, like that I see succeeding, it's not necessarily like exactly the person that the, you know, they would have designed for each other. Like, I think that can be better because it helps you expand, helps you be different than, you know, the narrative you've decided for yourself. Yeah. I agree. Before we move too much off the topic of the initial um, like app 
banter. We have a long, like two year long conversation about opening lines. Do you have any thoughts on like an opening line? Like, say you're on Bumble, you know, most of our listeners are female, but if you're a a lady on Bumble and you need to like make the first move or you're on any app and you want to make the first move, do you have thoughts on like what makes a good opening line or do you have kind of go to opening lines? I like manners. Manners are really important for me, no matter who the client is. It would lead with an introduction, nice to meet you, or hey, Jim, how are you? And then ask one question about something provided on their profile. So if there's a picture of a dog, cute dog, what's your dog's name? If there's, if there's something in the, descript- in the description and the person says that they're, you know, just got back from Zimbabwe, hey, how was your trip to Zimbabwe? What were your highlights? Whatever it is, just state one thing and ask a question. I do not like the, Hey, howdy, what's up? Stuff. Those are the kind of things that I think someone's just trying to connect to test the water to see if they're going to get a response. But I just think it doesn't interest the person enough to respond. So if Amy has 10 suitors writing her 10 messages, the person who writes stuff probably isn't going to get a response. If there's six other people saying, Hey, Amy, nice to meet you. That's a great picture of you on the beach. Where were you? That's something that would probably generate a response over the lazier guy who just wrote stuff or gave like a hand wave. Totally. Yeah. The questions I feel like are key to like hooking people in. Yeah. And then then also in terms of, you know, just an opener, I find it very frustrating when someone doesn't have anything in, you know, the prompt or the description. And in those situations, I do have my canned openers. Um, Who's your celebrity doppelganger, Coke or Pepsi? If you could go anywhere to have a last meal, what would it be depending on the city? But those are the things that are just like, I'm reaching for desperation because the Mm -hmm. person did not do a good job in completing their description. But those are also the, the singles that don't have enough in their profiles where the conversations feel like it's pulling teeth the entire time. And either myself or the other person is more likely to abort engaging with that person because there's not enough material to feel good and move it forward. Yeah, I think there can be, and we got a bunch of, we had a bunch of listeners kind of send in questions about what if I don't have a witty response to something in their profile or what if I don't have something witty or funny in my profile? I think it's kind of more important to your point, Meredith, that you, it's just something you could talk about. It doesn't have to be, again, to the point of the banter, not needing to be fire because it might not mean anything anyway. But just, I just, I like that um, generally kind of within the context of what if I, I don't want to just say, how are you, but I don't have something witty to say. It's like, it's okay. It's just simply asking a question. Yeah. This is sort of the, people get tripped up on this. They think that they're flirting on the app. They're not, by the way, you're having a conversation with a stranger. And not everybody is witty. Not everyone's funny. That's okay. People bring other things to the table. We all have our strengths. And I always remind clients, it's that picture that gets you a swipe right or a heart. That first picture is what advances you in a round. Your description or your prompts, those are your topics for conversation. You're going broad there so that someone has something to discuss with you and vice versa. And then when you get to your exchanges and you're actually having that banter, that's where you can be funny. But what's sealing the deal for you, whether someone wants to chat with you, is your first picture. If you have one witty sentence in your description, could it possibly tip the scale for someone deciding to talk to you? It could, but people have pretty much made up their mind from your pictures. Um, And I always say, don't overthink it. If you've got five topics to talk about, put those five topics. And then if it turns out that you're witty in your exchanges, great. And you notice yourself being witty and you're proud of yourself, save it and then keep reusing it because you're going to talk about the same five topics. So it does seem like people hit the same topics a lot in their profile travel, you know, X, Y, Z. I like, you know, pina coladas and blah, blah, blah. Um, I treat the janitor just the same as the CEO. I look just as good in dressed up in a little black dress or jeans. I like to leave the city for the weekend. I really like to travel. I mean, every time I see that, I'm like, oh, come on, we need more. Do you have any more thoughts on like, if okay so you have your perfect first profile picture i was just going to say in terms of your pictures you just want to quit while you're ahead i often will see someone put six pictures and you could tell the first three were home runs but then they ran out of pictures and then it progressively gets worse 
you're only as good as your, you're only as attractive as your most attractive, as you're only as attractive as your least attractive photo. Mm. So by the time you've got that sixth photo and you're shoving a piece of cake in your face, you're not looking so hot. If you're really drunk in that picture, your eyes are glassy at three o'clock in the morning and you're not looking great, don't use it. Stick what quit while you're ahead. Use two pictures. Two, two good pictures are better than, you know, six awful ones. Mm. And or, if or two or three good ones and three mediocres. Are there cer- I mean, there are some things that come up all the time, like too many sunglass pictures, but are there certain other mistakes you see, whether that's misrepresentation, which we touched on a bit, or just how do you, I guess for our listeners, how do you pick a picture that you know is representative, but also makes you look good but not too good I don't know what is your like biggest takeaway it's really it's that picture that you put on social media and everyone's like you look beautiful gorgeous great picture use that picture right use that picture that generates a tons of likes and that everyone's telling you you look good in because that's how you're representing yourself as attractive if you post a picture and everyone's like "Eh," and no one's commenting it's probably not your best picture or show it to your best friend hey what do you think of this picture I've seen you look better right Mm-hmm. That's not your most flattering. Remember that picture from last year when we were on vacation? That's a good one. That's the winner. I mean, you just have to, and everybody knows that when they look at a picture of themselves, whether it's their finest or not, mm-hmm. what ends up happening is someone just gets lazy and they don't have another picture and they think, oh, it doesn't really matter. But it does. It does really matter because if you're swiping and you don't think someone's attractive, you swipe left, not right. Yep. And on a, another specific on that topic, do you, what are your thoughts on like bathing suit photos or like how much of your body to show? Because I we definitely have had opinions, but I'm curious to your thoughts. Yeah, it's funny because people ask me this often and it depends on the city and the age range of what I see. So there are some people who are incredibly comfortable in their own skin and it is a quality that I admire and respect. And no matter what shape or size, they're just happy to just have it all hang out, right? God bless them. If someone feels good and they're confident and they think that they look good and just so happens that they're in a little itty-bitty bikini, then sure, put it off. However, if there's a boob hanging out and nipple is showing and someone's not groomed, I don't necessarily think that is the picture to put as your winning profile pic as long as I feel confident and they look good um when I see guys you know in little speedos or barely dressed or sort of like in a bed without a shirt I don't know many women who respond favorably to it and they end up getting dinged it it backfires for them Mm -hmm. um you know I wouldn't put six pictures like in lingerie no I don't think you're sending the right message but if you're at the beach and you're thinking you're rocking in a bikini and you're feeling good and confident then go ahead and put it but again that's one picture the same thing with I wouldn't show a picture of drinking alcohol in four pictures yeah it's maybe like yeah you have to diversify Mm -hmm. diversification yeah that's that's the I feel like that is truly what it – when I was looking at other people's profiles, I wanted to see. As soon as you start to see <laughs> sailboat, 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 you like you start to paint a picture of that person in your head or whatever it is. Um, yeah. We're just like squad, squad, squad. I feel like I saw a lot of that, especially, well, you know, of guys. Squad, it's like all of these are group photos of you with your friends. Like I don't even know who you are. <laughs> well, that bothers me because – and I say, you know, blow it up if there's still two people left in the picture, then blur their faces. So it makes it obvious who the single is, but back to the, what someone's wearing, bathing suit, no bathing suit. Again, it's also context, right? So if someone's at the beach, yes. If someone is, you know, on the toilet in their bikini, that's not appropriate. Like you have to use some good judgment. Yeah. And then the squat picture is you need to know who you're swiping on. So if there's six pictures in a row of, you know, 10 guys in a pool at Vegas, I'm like, I have no idea who I'm interested in, who I'm chatting with, who the client is interested in. And I just get frustrated. And it's like, well, you know, this is too much work here. We're done. Yeah. And that seems to be the mentality of singles. There are so many options. There's such volume and you want to engage with the people who make it easy for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. 
It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. What have you seen in terms of any trends through the years that you've been doing this on the apps, whether it's in messaging or in profiles that are kind of changes? Because I feel like we keep getting screenshots of just kind of some horrible messages people have gotten on dating apps. And I'm hoping it's not just getting terrible out there or maybe it's getting better. What? But what have you seen change in terms of the swiping experience over the past few years? Well, there's always sort of a trend, right? Like there's a vacation trend. So for a little bit, you know, it was going on safari and then it was trekking with gorillas. <laughs> and then it like kept, and I was like, oh, these look like really fun vacation ideas. Perhaps I should do one of these. If I didn't have small kids, I would love to go to Uganda and trek the gorillas. This seems like so much fun. You know, and then there was the fish picture, right? Which people still do, which drove me crazy. And then there was the cutting, the... I forget if it was like a lion or whatever it was. Um, and it was always the same conversation. Is that animal drugs? Do you feel safe? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that sort of trend. And then in terms of like what people say, there's just sort of a point where I think an app becomes so popular and people go on it, even if it's not the appropriate app for them. So, I, and I obviously spend more time on apps than any human or bot on the planet. So I will start to see like, and I be- have become desensitized and jaded to it, unfortunately, like, hey, looking for a third, you know, mm. my husband's great. I have no interest in having sex with him. <laughs> Maybe you want to. And when I see that, I'm like, oh, they're just not, they're not on the right app, but they don't know because they're not single. Um, looking for a third, uh, I will never be monogamous. And I'm just like, okay. You know, on to the next. You're not ready for my clients. Each their own. You'd probably fare well on a different app, but it's just, it's just how it goes. And you know, there's someone else on that app who's interested in the same thing, but that's not really necessarily the appropriate form for it, because there's probably another app that caters to that interest. Someone looking for thirds or yeah. finding someone for their spouse. Definitely. Do you totally. have particular apps you'd recommend for people looking for, you know, more serious dating or relationships, not just hookups? I mean, every app has its reputation, but here's the thing. I, you know, religiously read the New York Times wedding section every weekend. I love it. And half the time people met on Tinder, but you know what? There mm-hmm. they are getting married. You don't know what you want until you meet the person that you want it with. So, you know, unless it's sort of like a fetish thing or like a one-off looking for a third, you just want to be on the app. It's got a ton of volume where you can meet a lot of people. So be it as, you know, Bumble, Hinge, Tinder, Match, Coffee Meets Bagel, OkCupid, Plenty of Fish, and I'm sure I'm forgetting, you know, four other apps. But whatever it is, if you're on one app, chances are once you're finished and you exhaust that app and you go to another, you're going to be like, Oh, I, I just saw him and I just had a conversation with her and Oh yeah, I swiped on her and yeah, I went out with him or her two years ago. And you know, people repeat. So even if you miss someone on one app, you'll see them on a second or you'll see them on a third or in one week I had a client once who's like, I saw him on league bumble and hinge. He is meant to be my husband. And I'm like, no, <laughs> he's just on the same apps as you. Um, and you're going to continue to see the same people over and over again. Cause you know, if you are searching within a 10 mile radius, that's just how it plays out. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. I remember even in New York, just seeing people repeat. It's like, and people say, Oh, Hey again, but you never even went on a date. It's uh, yeah. Right. It's a small and then it's like, well, why didn't you go out the first time? Right. <laughs> you're back. Why is what's changing here in this scenario? Are you going to ask me out this time? Are we actually going to meet? Let's see. Yep. And on that note, do you have any advice on like getting on the date? So not getting caught up in the banter? Like you must be so good at this because, you know, that's why people hire you. But what are are your biggest tips there? 
just cut it off, right? So if you're engaging with someone, I generally recommend not starting a new conversation on a Thursday or Friday. Always try and start a new convo on a Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. So that way you at least have like a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday to wrap it up. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then if you get four days straight, if it doesn't look like something's being put on the calendar, you do your little nudge. Hey, it's been great chatting with you. I fear I'm starting to look a little boring on Hinge. I'm great in real life, dot, dot, dot. If someone doesn't respond to that saying, oh yeah, let's meet, they're never going to ask you to meet. Um, my other favorite nudge is whether you're going away or not, you just state, I'm going upstate for the weekend. I'm really looking forward to being away. I get back on the 17th or I have a business trip. I'm gone for six days. I return on the 19th. 80% of the time, the other person will be, oh, you're getting back on the 18th. Why don't we meet up when you get back? They don't need to know that you were never really away. It's the easiest way to, to push things forward. And then worst case scenario, if they don't ask you out, they're done. And then you delete them and then you put someone else in their spot and you don't waste your energy on it because hmm. you can't have pen pals. No. You're on there to connect and, you know, connect on the app, meet in person and see if you want to date them in person. And you only have so much time in your day. So you're only going to really correspond with maybe 10 people on an app and then if someone is not pulling their share you get rid of them and then you know it becomes nine and then you swipe a little more until you fill that spot with number 10 but people say to me oh yeah i've been chatting with this guy for a month i'm like why would you waste your time chatting with a stranger for a month he has monopolized your space for an entire month no move on yeah, no, I think it's such good advice. It's And it's so easy to, you know, get caught up or take things personally, which is where I think it's very cool what you're doing. But, you know, as much as for people who aren't able to hire someone right now, just keeping that mentality of, you know, it's not necessarily personal to me or anything, like, just move on. And I also lied about it's having trips personal. so many times. Sorry. <laughs> I Wait, always, what did you I always lied about having trips. I was like, I'm going to be away. Or, like, just was like, I'm something – I can't really hang out till this time, but let me know. And it worked, people, or it didn't. It worked. Yeah. <laughs> or it didn't, and you move on. But there's only, there are only so many hours in the day, and people are busy, and they've got lives, and they have hobbies, and they have friends, and they have work, and they have family commitments. And if someone's not going to pull the trigger or meet you halfway, then you move on. There's someone else. And it's not personal. I mean, I am on both sides across you know, each gender and every demographic seeing what's going on. And someone might say to me, you know what, he does look great, but, oh, you know, I've got this meeting. I have to go to Canada. My mom is sick. My dog is sick. Blah, blah, blah. I'm not feeling well. I just got over the flu. Oh, I just can't muster to do it. And you know what? It has nothing to do with the other person. It's sort of, that's what's going on with that person. And unfortunately the timing isn't right. Yeah. And again, volume. So if you go out with Joe on Monday or Joe cancels with you on Monday, it stings. But if you have something scheduled for Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday and, you know, Adam on Tuesday is a great date, well, you forget about Joe pretty quickly. But if Joe is the only date that you scheduled for that week, it's going to linger the sting. Just, you know, move it on. Have yes. lots of stuff in action. Lots of balls moving. It, it um, takes the pressure off whoever that one person is that might be disappointing. Yeah. Totally. I feel We're so validated. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like go on the goddamn dates. Um, this is a kind of a broad question, so hope I hope you'll forgive me. But do you see like a uh, what's the most common mistake you see in people's attitude towards dating? That they think that the other person has to like woo them and do all the work. They're mm. strangers. You know, it's two people meeting halfway. It's not one person does 99% and the other person sits around like a princess waiting to be swept off her feet or vice versa. Um, it really takes an effort by both parties. And if both people are making an effort, it's not going to work ever. Because once, you know, dating is dating. And then we hope it, both people are on board and enjoying the process and it morphs into a relationship. But the characteristics of what people do when they're dating are probably the same characteristics that those two people will bring into a relationship. And if they're not pulling their weight in the banter on the app on the first date, then they're probably not going to do it, you know, third, fifth, ninth, 15th, 30th date, or, you know, three years into the relationship. So it's important that people realize that they both have to make an effort and one person just can't sit around on their butt waiting for the other person to do everything. 
Mm. It's such good advice because it's so easy to kind of, even if you aren't being lazy, it's just, it's scary to be vulnerable. It's so easy to just want the other person to do everything. But it's also a good reminder, you know, yes, just logistically and just like from a standpoint of two people in a relationship both have to contribute to that relationship. Uh, that's important, but also vulnerability can be really attractive too, like, which took me forever to learn. I'm still learning it. I'm trying, but you know, showing interest is actually cool because we all like when people show interest in us, we're not always creeped out by it. So especially for women, I feel like it can often be like, oh, I don't want to, I shouldn't be doing the reaching out or, but I, I just like, we like blowing that concept up as much as possible. And I feel like it goes Yeah, but if you, if you think about it, most of the apps sort of designate who is up at that, right? So with Bumble, you know, as a female, you always have to do the first outreach. It's not like she's saying, I love you, I want to marry you and have your babies. Mm-hmm. It's just how the app functions. You need to reach out if you want anything to move forward. And then, for example, with Hinge, it usually says, it's your turn, it's his turn, it's her turn. And so if the direction is that you need to reach out, again, you're not saying, I want to move into your apartment and have a key. It's just, you're sending a message that all that's all it is. And then in terms of, sort of like pulling your weight I'm meaning more I've had clients come to me just and it's two strangers on an app they're like well shouldn't he be asking me all the questions because I'll go in and look at what they're doing and say you know what you don't you've had six exchanges not in one exchange have you asked him about him have you asked him how are you Mm. oh I see you like to swim how's your job do you like it do you travel a lot I'm like it's really one-sided and like you're a really interesting person, you're thoughtful, you're caring, but you're coming off as self-absorbed and flat. And he's not going to stick around in having these conversations with you when he's sitting there asking you about yourself and you're not even reciprocating. More like that. Like she isn't pulling her weight and then learning, oh, it's so easy. I just have to ask a question back. And then the, it, it turns the conversation around quicker to yield to getting to calendar stage. Mm-hmm. As opposed to things just, you know, sort of being on the baggage claim, going in circles forever. Mm-hmm. Totally. We have a lot of people writing in and listeners feeling kind of hopeless around dating. So just wondering if you had clients who felt the same way or, you know, needed a break or like just what to do when it's really getting you down. As much as like we preach like volume, keep doing it. I also recognize like there can be moments where it's just really difficult. Um, yeah. Dating fatigue is real and it happens to the best of us. Um, I remember, you know, when I was dating my twenties, I'm like, Oh, I can't do this ever again. I cannot go on another date. I cannot talk about where I was born. I cannot talk about where I went to college. I can't talk about my job anymore and what I want to do in 10 years. I am just done having these conversations. And that's sort of where my clients come to me um, because they're exhausted by it. Doesn't mean that they haven't had great dating experiences. Doesn't mean that there's something wrong with them. It just means that it's overwhelming. They're struggling in the space. They either don't have the time or they need some help improving their skills, whatever it is. So if you're not going to turn it over to me, turn it over to your best friend, sort of what you guys did, turn it over to a sister, turn it over to a colleague, someone who knows you, or better yet, you know, outside of cuffing season, obviously now, or, um, you know, like April, not so much on the West Coast, but the East Coast, you know, once it warms up, again, it's another opportunity where people stop hibernating and they get out and they want to date and get off their couch. But really, when you're feeling fatigued, take a break. There's nothing more unattractive than a negative Nelly. Mm-hmm. So it's okay. Take a month off. Take six weeks. You know, go train for a marathon. Go on vacation. Learn how to knit. Something that's not dating related. And then when you feel better about the process and you can re-engage in the dating world and be happy and, you know, knock on a date and think, oh, I want to, you know, put a stock in this guy's mouth while he's talking or, you know, I need to exit immediately because I'm about to have a panic attack, which I've had clients say, like, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't keep having the same conversation. Break break, mm-hmm. you're done. This isn't healthy anymore. And you will be healthy soon enough. Sometimes it's a week, sometimes it's two. Again, sometimes it's two months. That's okay. I wouldn't recommend taking 18 months, you know, to two years, but there is a rejuvenation and it's perfectly appropriate to say to someone, you know what, I'm on a dating hiatus. I'm just taking some me time. Yeah. We, yeah. we all need to self-care. And if this is one way to make ourselves feel better, then do it. Totally. And I love your, I love your advice to, to pick up something else if you have the energy like I, I feel like 
anytime I've felt fatigued in any area of my life, sometimes the last thing I want to do is like, you know, find a new hobby or a new interest or like develop anything. But sometimes doing that like gives you so much life mm-hmm. and can make you feel like, you know, so kind of filled up in a way that I don't know, can be energy giving. So I love that idea of like take a dating break and do something cool or interesting for yourself. Right. And think about it. If you like have never taken a ceramics class and then all of a sudden you make your first mug, it's something to be proud of. It's different. If you've never done flying trapeze and all of a sudden you're flying and doing a knee hang, like it's an endorphin rush. You feel good. So whatever fatigue and blah that was existing before, that little serotonin boost, it it changes things just enough to get you over the hump to almost make you want to get back into the dating game because you start to feel good again. Yeah. And you totally. honestly, you have a new topic to put on your dating app profile, if I'm just being totally. really shallow. <laughs> and then, okay, I have, I have one more question. Okay, we've been trying to, this will come out towards the end of October. We, you know, trying to make October about, a little bit about ghosting and what it even is, you know, it's so overplayed. But just wondering your advice on, you know, how to handle ghosting or and or handle not ghosting someone else or what you even count as ghosting? Yeah, I hate ghosting. I It's one of those things, it happens to everyone. Everyone does it and they're both on the receiving end. I wish everyone just had manners and if they're not interested, even if you need to lie and say, you know, you get through the process, Jim asks you out and you're like, yeah. then you look at his pictures again and you look at the exchange and you evaluate and you think, yeah, I don't really want to go out with Jim. I thought I wanted to go with Jim, but now that he's asking, I'm also interested in Jim. I don't like when Amy doesn't respond to Jim and say, you know, and just ghost him and Jim's like, can you meet next Tuesday at seven? And then Amy doesn't respond. That's not nice. What I like for Amy to do, or, you know, if it's flipped, just for the person who received the invitation, if they're not interested to say, you know, and I just started seeing someone, I just went on a third date, I just went on a fourth date, I'm going to see where things go. Or even say, you know what, I'm just taking a bit of a dating hiatus. I thought I was in the space to meet people, but unfortunately I'm not. Just close the loop and have manners. Because as you know, wherever you live, it can be small. And suddenly you run into that guy, he's marrying your best friend, right? And you're like, oh, I totally ghosted him. And guess what? He remembers that you ghosted him. Or if you go on a third date with someone and he's still asking you out, but you're not interested, have some manners. Don't not respond. Just say, you know what, Matt, I really thought you're a good guy. I just, I don't think there's that we're a right fit for each other. Wishing you all the best. Close it. You don't know when you're going to be interviewing and, you know, he's sitting next to you or he could be interviewing you or she could be interviewing you or when you're, you know, in a lift together, you just reveal. You never know who's going to sit next to you at some point or where you're going to accidentally bump into someone you don't want to be embarrassed and you don't want to be called out for oh yeah there's that person who ghosted me it's so awkward and it takes maybe less than eight seconds to close a loop yep it's totally very can true. you tell that i have really strong feelings about this yes I but i like me. them because it's so easy for us to just be like well waffle it doesn't what really counts as ghosting and i think there's some egregious ghosting out there and like all these names i like find silly because they're all just names for bad behavior and bad manners but it is like manners go a long way and I'm very in like I'm in grad school to ultimately get a job but it's true it's a small world and you gotta like if you're like you know you clean up your social media so that you can get hired to a job like this is all part of that like be a good human on dating apps too I would say and like yes and pay it forward and karma is real people (laughs) if you are ghosting someone and you go six people in a row don't think it's not gonna come right back at you you know, if you're nice to someone and you close the loop, you'll see. Like, all of a sudden, people start to close the loop politely with you. Yep, and yeah. you'll see it feels better. And then, you know, it encourages the positive behavior to have some manners. It's totally. easier to be nice, right? It takes so much energy to be jerky. Just be nice. And if you're shutting someone out and not responding to an invitation or, you know, going on a few dates with someone and saying you're not interested, if you behave poorly, it's going to come back and bite you in the bum later. Yeah. Yeah. And then what about the inverse? What about like, I feel like we have a lot of listeners who have been ghosted or are ghosted. Do you have advice on dealing with that? Just like move it forward. It's not personal, unfortunately. It's just not, you know, mm-hmm. it's reflective. It's reflective on them. They ha- they're poor mannered. They need an etiquette book. They need someone to teach them how to behave better. It stinks, but that's why I say just have volume because, you know, if six people ghost you, which everybody gets ghosted, everybody, you know, has someone vanish mid-conversation while they're in the planning phase, 
move it on, you know, engage with people who do follow through. Yeah. And make up a story. But they're also about ghosting, they're, they're ghosting and vanishing everybody else. It's not just that one person. And maybe something happened in their life. I always tried to like make something up just because like, you know, I think there are very few occasions you can't have manners, but like you never know. Maybe someone did come back in their life or maybe something crazy happened in their work life. I don't know. You just know. It's just like whatever you can do to not make it about yourself, which I know sounds impossible, but like it's actually true. It's true. People get sick. People have um, work emergencies. People have family emergencies. There's death in the family. Someone's sick and they get really busy. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's not at the top of the messages. It's at the bottom and you forget. And then three weeks have passed. Oh, do I say anything? It's been so long. Ah, oh, forget it. And do I want to explain to this person who I've never met that my mother just died? No, because it's yeah. Debbie Downer and it's awkward, right? So it's like, ah, oh, I just won't write anything. I mean, yes, all these scenarios do happen. But if you, someone can try and exercise good manners most of the time, it is preferred. But yes. in these situations where emergencies happen, you know, you get a you get a hall pass. Totally. Well, Meredith, thank you so much for talking to us. It's been so amazing and like very inspirational. Will you tell everybody where they can find you? Sure. Uh, Instagram is Golden, M-E-R-G-O-L-D-E-N. And my site, if anyone wants to look me up, is Spoon Meet. Soon. Yeah, and we'll link all of those in the episode. Including places you can follow us at 51 First Dates Pod on Instagram. Join our secret Facebook group. That's where people were able to ask questions for Meredith today. I made a post asking for questions and we got a bunch. So that was pretty awesome. Join it. Tell your friends about this show. Uh, check out all of Meredith's social media. You're a great Instagram follow, Meredith. And we will, you know, definitely be posting stories too to make it nice and easy. And Thank you all for listening and rate, subscribe, reviewing, and just giving us some love. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. We hope you'll come back in the future. And to everyone listening, we love you. And go on a date. Go on a date or knit. Go on on several dates. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.